Hi guys, Craig here. Welcome to another edition of the podcast, Tell Craig Your Story. Today we'll be speaking to Diana Gu. Now, Diana was born in Taipei, China, where she has directed more than 10 plays in Taiwan. She has worked on A Company You to the End, Dream Dream, that period of time in the cuckoo's nest. And while she's been in Shanghai, she's also been a part of the Sha Fu Club Shanghai International Art Festival, I Want to Fly With You, Shanghai Drama Center, Black Cat Sheriff, Original Music, and the Shanghai Fashion Week, as well as the Shanghai Auto Show. Now, she's also graduated from the New York University in the Department of Performing Arts. Now, Diana is currently the creative director of the Red Box, where she gets some of the biggest stars in China and brings them to Shanghai, where they perform all different types of cabaret and Broadway-like shows. Now, on December the 1st, they made an announcement that they are going to be a partner with the Pearl Theatre. Now, we previously had the owners of the Pearl Theatre, Grant O, on the podcast, and Frank Bray. And the Red Box have been given the opportunity to perform every Thursday night. They do some of the biggest songs uh, from musicals, like Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, Fan of the Opera, and The Greatest Showman. But before we go, please go to our website where you're at Podbean. Tell Craig Your Story at podbean.com. We have a link tree there which tells you where Tell Craig Your Story podcast is streaming. We are on all the major streaming services, Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple iTunes, to name a few. We have a YouTube channel. Make sure you're subscribing to get all the latest updates and give us a like as well. We're on all the social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We have VK for our Russian listeners and WeChat for our Chinese listeners. At Tell Craig Your Story. Now, I'd like to give a big shout out to the sponsor of this podcast. It is none other than Will's Tailor Shop. Now, Mr. Zhao created Will's Tailor Shop with the goal of becoming... An unrivaled, high-end, tailor-made brand. The brand adheres to the artist spirit and stitches each piece with excellence. They have a wide selection of exclusive fabrics created from the world's rarest fibers to meet high-end occasions in all fields. Will's Tailor Shop owns six stores in Shanghai, Suzhou, and Taijin. The flag shop is located in Hunan Road in Shihui District, Shanghai. And the best person to get in contact with is the lovely Janet. All right, this is part one of my chat with Diana Gu on Tell Craig Your Story podcast. Hi, Dania. How are you doing today? Hi, Craig. How are you? I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for coming. I really appreciate it. Extremely busy girl. <laughs> happy New Year. I know we're in February already. Oh. But still Chinese New Year, so Chinese you're allowed to say that. So yes. Happy Chinese New Year. So yeah. how did you celebrate well, Chinese New Year? Non-stop eating for four days straight. Right. <laughs> so I, I cooked a home meal um, on Christmas, uh, on New Year's Eve, on yes. New Year's Eve four days ago. And um, so we, what we do is if I invite 10 friends to come over on New Year's Eve, we, we switch houses. So we will go to another friend's place on New Year's Day, and then the next day, and then the next day. So non-stop eating for four days already. Wow. I feel so bloated. <laughs> <laughs> and do you go back to work 
is it like Next, work is normal? Work, work is Monday? normal. I, I think I start my rehearsal on Monday. Right. So, yeah. So it's okay. back to work. And a review for you for 2021. I mean, okay. lots of things happened yeah, for you in 2021. Yeah. So uh, 2021 was very interesting because um, we just came through the pandemic. Feel, came through, came out of it from the 2020. So 2021 was very hopeful for me personally, especially with my career. I uh, direct and wrote a brand new uh, play and it was put up a uh, major production, huge production. And that was really cool because I haven't really done that in about three years. So that was yeah. an original play and uh, with a huge puppet. We had a puppet horse on the stage and stuff. Wow. And so it was really, really awesome. That was great. And still touring around China. So that was, that was really cool. With uh, the new brand, the Red Box was created in 2021 yes. uh, over the summer. So that was really cool too. Like it was kind of just happened. It wasn't something that I've been planning for 10, 20 years. It just happened. And um, so a lot of changes. And I think also for me personally, um, our daughter turned uh, 13 last year. So um, she's a teenager now. And I think for a lot of parents who have children during COVID, the relationship between your child and you can be very different because I've never spent that much time at home with her. Yes. You know, ever since she was born, probably the first six months. And then, you know, she went to pre-kindergarten and, and all, all that. But during the whole COVID time, we spent a lot of time together. And last year, she was the first time she became a teenager. Right. And that, that transition was very new uh, to me. And it was hard for her as well, I think. So that, that was huge on our personal life side part. It's like, I have to learn how to be a mom to a teenager. And I was yes. like, I'm not, no, I'm not used to that. <laughs> I don't know how to be a mom teenager. I, I was a teenager not that long ago, you know? So, so that was actually quite hard yes. yeah, to me. Yeah. And speaking of that, we were talking before just about you watching movies yes. and giving me, giving me like your <laughs> review of all yes. these great movies. There was one there called The Last Daughter, and I know that, oh, yes. I know that yes. you were talking about your daughter and yes. your experiences, yes. so yes. tell us a little bit about that. Okay, so um, I really love the, the, the novelist uh, who wrote The Last Daughter. She's the novelist who wrote uh, My Brilliant uh, Friend, and was also produced to a TV series. And... When I saw that movie, like there were times when mother just say, you know, I'm sorry, I'm done. I need to just leave the two yes. of you. I think if the role was reversed, like if a man said that or a father says that, it was a lot easier for the society to forgive him. But for the mothers, it's just so judgmental. Sometimes a mom just say, you know what, I, I just need to take a break. I just, I, I need half an hour to myself. Don't come and talk to me. Like, just pretend I'm not here it doesn't mean i don't love you it just means that i just need that half an hour yes. you know to myself and and i think it's 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 very difficult for people who don't have children to 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 understand that mm. or, or some even for people to have children and they don't understand why why women's we, we the, the maternal instinct it, it's not net something natural to me and i don't i i think it's the same thing for a lot of women. That like people always say, "Oh, you are mother, so you should understand this." I'm like, "No, mm. I don't understand any of this. Nobody ever 
taught me how to become a mom. My my yes. mom was a professional woman since you know I, my entire life. I remember she was going to work every day. So I was taking care of myself since I was very very young because mm. she wouldn't get home till nine o'clock. So yeah. so I had to become very independent. So that means I'm not used to the whole idea of being a stay-at-home mom until doing COVID. Mm-hmm. So so I had to be a stay-at-home mom because she couldn't go to school. Yes. So that was the first time I had to think about how to prepare three meals a day. I never had the thought of that. The school <laughs> feed one meal, right? So I think at least those, uh, two, I only had to think about two meals a day, but doing that whole entire six, seven months, I had to be cooking literally three meals a day and that was, was a lot of taking out of me. Mm-hmm. And so, so I think the idea of... Um, the lost daughter, like I really relate to that. Mm. Yeah, because because she is a, such a brilliant woman, like she's a, a academic and she's so brilliant in so many ways. It's just because she had two daughters that doesn't take that intelligence away from her. But sometimes she does feel that because, you know, you've just been here with your children can be so frustrating, no matter how much you love them, you know? And, then, and I think the society should really um, give women a, a little bit more space in that sense, you know, yeah. and and I I'm so fortunate that I have a husband who really understands that and who has no problem just getting there and do the cooking and do the cleaning and stuff. So, um, lot uh, doing the COVID was was hard because he was in another city, so right. I was literally alone with my daughter for six seven months. Right. So that was a that was the the tough part, but. Uh, when he's around, then that's not a problem. He's very, very hands-on with her, and it's actually better than, than me in a lot of sense. Because mother-daughter can get very um, competitive. Yes. Very competitive. Even for me and my mother, I, 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 even to this day, I can sense that. I don't know why, but it's just there. But father and daughter, it, it's something, it's more ease with that relationship. So... Um, so I really, I'm really happy that my husband can be back in Shanghai. Yes. <laughs> yeah, last year. So I was, that, that really did help. Yeah. So you were in Shanghai with your daughter. Yeah. Where was your husband? In Dalian, in another oh, city. Because right. he, he was back, back in, he got hired as an international recruiter for a huge ed- education company. Right. Um, a month before COVID happened. Oh. So the idea was that like he would take on this role and he would be flying across like globally every month to recruit teachers yes. and that didn't happen because of COVID uh, and that head office is in Dalian so uh, it was never it was never like the plan that he would move to Dalian he would the Dalian was just a place he would go and have meetings and then flying back to Shanghai and go over there and then, and then because of COVID like it's just like that's that's the situation well, that we didn't plan so yeah, right. yeah it was hard and speaking of COVID, mm. it's affected everyone. Yeah. Everybody's had to a change. Yeah. So you've already talked about being away from your husband and yeah. just being with your daughter. So yeah. it's said on your Facebook that you've had 36 acid nuclear <laughs> yeah, tests. Yeah, I did. I did. I did. Mm. It was funny because I really think they should give us one of those stamps. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. if you get 10, you get the other one for free or <laughs> like get a free coffee. Yeah. Like you buy 10 coffee, get the 11 one free. Yeah, because... Um, I'm in the industry like I so I direct car shows. I'm a show director and mm. a theater director. So um, China has a really uh, strict policy with people who go into those conventions. So as somebody who has to put up a lot of shows, every time we go in, we have to 
do a test within mm. 40 hours yes. or um, like for traveling, for going to another city. We, yeah, so I've, I've, I've done this so many times at yes. this point. I don't even, I lost count. I just feel like, I feel like I should get a reward card yeah. <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. So saying also that uh, during this period, yeah. even your performers yeah. and actors, they had to go into quarantine yes. as well recently. Oh, that was a funny story. So, so what happened was, um, I think it was the first week of January. Yeah. There was a, a, a case at, at um, a tea shop on Yuan Road. And, um, and, and, and I'm, I'm in the middle of a rehearsal with a new production and I have 10 actors. And at that day, um, we hired a photographer to come in to make a little of video for them and taking their pictures. So I was not supposed to go in until four o'clock in the afternoon for rehearsal afterwards. And doing 11 to four is their photo shoot time. So the photographer went in and did all the filmings for five hours. And after that, um, around 10 o'clock at night, I think they start getting calls. All my actors are getting calls that they all need to be put in quarantines. And I was like, why, you know, because the studio, the rehearsal studio, it's nowhere near Jing'an. We, we, our space is all the way in Yangpu. So it's like right. totally different district. Like, it makes no sense. And they said, because the photographer, before he went in to do the shooting, he went to the Jing'an tea place and bought two, two bubble teas and stuff. And then one of the staff was test positive oh, no. at a tea shop. So it considered as a direct contact. And then because you went directly from the tea shop to the rehearsing space without the mask on and for with the actors being the same space for over six hours, that means all the actors who have been in close contact with him has ah. to be put in uh, to quarantine. So it was really funny because all the, all the actors were was called by different district where their residents are and they all get pick up by different ambulance mm. and then put into different hotels oh, to really? party wow. for 14 days straight which wow. is a, it's, it's it's a big blow for the for the producer because it's a kind of an ongoing uh, rehearsal process means that like they have we have shows at the same time as we are rehearsing for the next one mm. so that means the producer have to cancel at least 20 shows oh, yeah, for that 14 days and which is a lot of lo- lost a lot of money yeah, yeah. So was the red box or was the pearl performance? The pearl was fine. Yeah, right. it was. It was. It was fine. It was, this is totally for another another production. Oh, production. Directing. Yeah. So, right. yeah, I'm I'm doing at least three three or four things at the same time. That's mm. what you do in our business. Yeah. If you don't have more than three or four things going on, then you can't leave. You can't survive yeah. in this city. It's too expensive. Yeah. So twenty twenty, it was when the COVID hit. Yeah. Did what were you doing at that time, and then? Tell us what you had to sort of oh, change. Yeah, so um, I started working since I was 19 years old. So mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, when I was in universities, I during the summer, I would go back to Taiwan. I, I would, I, I'm a film photographer, so I would direct, I would take a team and I start taking on projects here and there. So I, so I basically, I never stopped working since I was 19. Mm. And doing COVID was, that seven months was the first time in my life that I, I just didn't have any any job any any kind of job as a mother i was freaking out because it's just so you just don't know when you will have the next job and yeah. and, and i was i was very nerve-wracking so i started to do 
live streaming mm. <laughs> because, because it was that's what you do if yeah. you are a creative person and then you have so much to say and then you want to the world to hear you that's what you do so i i started live streaming for like three four months yeah i did yeah and i had my own channel with hua jiao so uh, every thursday night we'll Called the director's chat room, so I will invite somebody from different industries, like you invite people right. to come up to my channel, and I will chat for two hours. And how is that? Is that still going? Or no, I I bet it stopped it as soon as I have my first first job. Right, right. <laughs> I was like, it's not for me. I, I mean, yeah. I know for a lot of people who loves to do it, and they they're very serious about it, and you have to be incredibly. Dedicate to it. Yeah, like you have to be so disciplined, yeah. and I am not. Yeah. <laughs> so. so it was a live stream. It was live stream. So did uh, like it's all about the editing and promoting well, and marketing. And marketing and, yeah, and, yes. then, and also it's uh, the the content, you know, and and you have to right. really do your preparation before it's time. It doesn't matter how well you know that person. It's different, especially with video, right? It's yes. not just voice. So you have to make sure it's interesting visually as well. Yes. You know, if it's just two people sitting there and talk for two hours, yeah. nobody's going to watch you. <laughs> That's right. You have to be able to interact with whatever people coming up on the screen ask you questions. You have to be able to, to do the feedback. And, and sometimes you have, to, you have to become a very good host because, yes. because otherwise, whatever you're preparing, you can be distracted by people's... Q and A, and then you you totally go into the other direction, and like you have to check back to where you want them to be. So that was a cool experience. I I would say after three four months, I've become a much better host now. Like I can actually sit down and interview people right. in, in a way that I never used, never would or never could. And a bit of confidence, a bit of yes, a lot more confidence. Yes. in in terms of interact with the the other viewers as well, and. Um, it was fun, I would say, like, especially when I get a really interesting um, um, in, in, interesting person next to me, and, and I just feel that she or he can carry the conversation without yes. me putting so much in it, and that's fun. But sometimes I'm just like, oh, I'm just dragging things out. <laughs> like, for instance, I had, a, I had a, a, a great friend, and he would know this, and he, he's okay totally with this, this thing. Like, he, I asked him... Um, throughout his life being the tour guide and he's a very famous tour guide like he mm. would organize private tour go to very exotic locations around the world right and, and I say you've been doing this for like 30 years wow you must have so many fascinating stories mm. so I'm like so can you please tell me one story that's like you feel like that was very scary or very stressful like something happened to one of your your team members and you know any dangers ever occurred during your 30 year experience and he said not really and i was like okay 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 i was preparing a five minutes like, okay this. thanks for coming like, bye he's like not really i'm like i'm like so you're telling me in the 30 years of your you know t traveling professional experience career, yeah. professional career that you never have somebody lost their passport or yeah. you never have somebody miss a flight miss a bus or you know like so you couldn't or or something something like that happens when you travel right yeah. even when we travel that happens yeah and then he said no i think i'm just very blessed by god oh. <laughs> 
Okay, you know what? You, not, no, no, let, let's move on. Yeah. Let's talk about food. Yeah. You know what's your favorite restaurant in Istanbul? Oh <laughs> so, dear. Like, so it's just Tough. like, I, I, come on, give me yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like we were saying before, you get some people that you know you just want to you guide through it, and you just sort of get them on the same path, and then there's some that's like, like you said yeah. before. Like, come on, give me more. Just, <laughs> that's it. Just something, something. Okay, let's wrap it up. <laughs> okay. And I'm like, there's another one and a half hours. Yeah. Like, that's right. <laughs> All I did is for 30 minutes, we need to do two hours. Yes. <laughs> oh, dear. Yes. Well, I'm glad that you're not, I'm not the only one that's, that's actually had that experience. Well. I mean, that's something I think yes. I can share with you. I was really, I was like, the, the, the moment I'm like, I'm quitting, I'm not doing this. Yes. I'm like, no way. You want to make sure the next one is like a talkaholic. Yes, just, yeah, because if, when they actually, when they were willing to share more, your job or my job becomes easier. It's a lot Definitely. easier. Definitely. So let's go back, way back okay. uh, to where you were born. Okay. I do believe that you were born in Taiwan. Yes, I was born in Taipei. Taipei? Yes. So tell me, and especially for our international listeners, like, I haven't been there yet. I was going to go. I was on my list to see Guns N' Roses play in Taiwan. Yeah, yeah. And COVID, so (laughs) I wasn't able to go. But tell us about growing up there and your family upbringing. Okay, so... It was a, a very different time, of course. Yes. Yes, and I was uh, my my grandparents, both my father's side, and my mother's side, are from the mainland China during yeah. the war in nineteen forty nine. So, um, so I I, I I was considered Shenzhen means you are the out of state people. So you're not actually having generation generation and generation and generation people live there. So I was brought up um, by a very um, middle-class family like my my parents actually have the one of the coolest jobs both of them work for MJIB it's a lot like the FBI oh right yeah so my mom like can really kick asses (laughs) 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 so (laughs) that's handy (laughs) so um yeah she worked for the international drug reinforcement for a very long time so um so he will she will go on a trip to Colombia and, and and Japan and Mid East and stuff. Wow. Yeah, seriously, and and so uh, like my parents right. would take turns disappearing. I think I need to get your mother on the podcast as yes, well. She, <laughs> yes, and and she she's really she's just so awesome and brilliant and yeah. um, so many levels. But I really thought having one parent disappear from your life was very normal mm-hmm. because that's what I had when I was little, right? So I, I really have both my parents in the same room because they will send them out, different agents right. to do different cases, but they always always make sure there's one parent in the country. So I thought that was actually quite normal to not have both your parents at the same table until, yeah. until I was a lot older and talking to my other friends and saying, no, your family is not normal like this. this is so there's no weird. there's no three meals there, right? No, but, uh, it was it was very weird that yeah. to have to sit down meal with both your parents. I don't know what to say. That's like, do should we talk about something? Yes. And 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 but that was uh, like I said, like my 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 mom is just super awesome that way. Like like she will go on to this very special cases that she would never tell me about. 
Wow. Yeah, and 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 she will call me or she will phone me from a very distant country and say, "Okay, you gotta remember where I put my um bank cards and the deeds of the house and where it's the safe." And I will tell you the the code of the safe. I'm like, "Why do I need to know that?" Wow. <laughs> yeah, right. Why do I need to know that? I don't want to know that. <laughs> like, why are you telling me this? It's like a movie. It's like a yeah, action, so it, action movie. So my <laughs> that was funny because my favorite show when I was. Like twelve, thirteen was um, I think no, no, it was older. Third, sixteen was the X Files. Right. X Files. Scary movie. That's my parents. All <laughs> 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 movies. That's my parents. So yeah, so that that that's a really cool. Wow. So did that bother you that they were going in and out all the time, or you yeah, thought that I, was just like the norm? I got sent away to boarding school when I was twelve years old. So right. so I think they they did try to. Provide me the normalcy of it by sending me to the boarding school because at least I will have somebody to really take care of me. Yes. Like for my three meals a day, right? Because they couldn't really do that, so they tried. They really tried really really hard in my ways, right. but that was I don't think that's possible to have a normal life if you grow up in that kind of family. And did you have your grandparents? Because normally here now in China. Yeah. If you have have children, it's like bam, you go straight back to work, yeah. and the grandparents sort of Steps look after. Right? Yeah, not really, no? not, not in my cases. They, uh, both my grandparents live, but quite far away from where we lived, and my mom was really strict on like um, make sure the grandparents don't really get involved in child's education. Mm-hmm. So I and I'm okay with that. It was I was. At that time, of course, I feel like oh, maybe I should have the family meal putting on my table every day. But that, that I, I I knew since I was very young that it was never going to happen.、Mm. But it did happen to me to the later of my life when I was in New Zealand. I went to New Zealand when I was in high school, so I stayed with a homestay, and my homestay parents are just the most lovely people, and they have three children, and they have two international、yeah. students, me and another friend. So. Every night, my homestead mother will put on a meal with a table with、yes. all of us sitting there and eat. I'm just like, okay, so this is a family. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, well, that's what the family meals looks like. Okay, now I get it. <laughs> right. And were you a shy person growing up? Yes, very, as, as very, a kid. Yes,、yeah. very, very much. I, I was a music major、uh, student, so I spent a lot of my time practicing. Uh, piano and flute and,、right. and singing. So,、um, so that that was what you chosen at yeah, the time. Yeah, I, I I was just naturally really good at it. Right. And I I think that's something you have to you, either you have it or you don't.、Mm, yes. Like because practicing can be so boring. Like if you really hate it, and who does that every day two three hours after school? You still have your homework and you still have to practice three two three hours minimum. Yeah. To, for a day, and if you don't like it, there's no way you can do it. Nobody can beat it, beat you out of it. I think I beat you into it. I think you have to really, really love it. Some、mm-hmm. some part of you, yeah. And、yes. I was really good、um, in music, and I was really bad at academically when I was in Taiwan because、mm-hmm. the the way the education system is a lot like the local school in China. It's a lot of brutal memorization. Yes. And and nobody really cares if you really understand what you memorize. Yes. <laughs> you just have to memorize, and I was like, this 
sucks that you know I, I, I had so many questions and that's nobody not fun. was that was not fun. Nobody could answer me. Yeah. And I suck in algebra and, and in, in all my in all my math related subjects until I was in New Zealand. Mm. And I realized, I realized, because back in Taiwan, they teach you X, Y, Z, right? And three mm. X plus two Y. And I was like, I never understood why it's X, Y, Z stands for. Until I was in New Zealand, I remember my math teacher bought up mm. two papayas, three pineapples, and <laughs> like four bananas. I'm like, okay, this all makes sense now. <laughs> okay, all right. So now I understand X, mm. Y, Z. And mm. I didn't realize that's all I needed is to visualize it. So people study in very different ways. And yes. I think to me, just I have to see it. If I don't see it, I just don't get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And tell us about your music as well. Yeah. Piano is not the easiest instrument no. to play. I hate it. <laughs> I don't like piano. I like yeah. flute. And, flute. Yeah, yeah. because um, I, I, I did learn violin, piano, at yeah. when I was very little. But as I was growing up, I, I joined a, a television station's choir. It's right. a children's choir for one of the major network like BBC in, right. in, 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 in Taiwan. And I had opportunity when I was 10 to do a European tour. So I, I visited Berlin before the war came down. <laughs> so wow. I had an opportunity to, to visit Hungary, um, Holland, Paris, Austria, Switzerland. Like That's amazing. To, yeah, when I was 10 years old. And that was really cool because back in the days, that was before uh, the, the European Union. Yeah. You had to change, change money. Wow. every single country wow. so i still remember i had a, i had a jar of all these different currencies every time we change a country we have to change to another currency yeah. i was that was so wild because wow. you're like now it's unthinkable back, mm. but back in the days that's what they did yes and so yeah so i had an opportunity to to visit uh europe when i was 10 and and i think at that very moment i was like i i i didn't want to stay in taiwan anymore i wanted to, to yes I wanted to see the world i want to get out and and that was very very that's all that was a big influence for for me as as a ten years old. <laughs> so. With the Chinese people, the mainland China yeah. is that actually not just for China, but for anybody really. Once you go outside of your country yeah. and see things that are not normal, you can't go back. <laughs> yeah, well that's the thing. Yeah. You, my first trip was to go to Thailand. Vietnam, then Cambodia, mm. and I was there for a month, and I was like, <gasps> "Yeah, <laughs> like this is crazy! Yeah. It's like a whole different world. It's a third world country. There was electrical wires, like yeah, you didn't like think that three hundred, yeah. yeah, had l ladies with fruit on their head, yeah. and it was just yeah, and then it it really opens up." your your view of life yeah and then, then I come back home and it's like okay where am i going to go next yes yes and you couldn't settle anymore and, yeah. and that was the seed planted in me since i was 10 i was like mm. no i couldn't for most people in taiwan their first country when they leave they stay in asia right so they go yes. to japan they go to korea they go to hong kong considerably like that's that's what they do they don't it's not their first trip is to go to the other continent like and, that's, and that's what i did like my first trip outside of my country was to go completely to the other side of the world and and, and that really changed me fundamentally and, and 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 i i think that also at that point i knew music was my way out 
awesome. to, to see the world. So, I, yeah. I was so it says here that you also went to, it says Wesley Girls High School. Yeah, in that's in Taiwan. Yes. Taiwan. That's a boarding school. And right. It's uh, created by Jiang Kai-shek's wife, right. Jiang So-Mei-Ling. Yes. So it's uh, a very well-known school because back then was the only uh, girls boarding schools for the age of 12 to 17, 18. Mm. And, and, and I met some of the greatest people there. Mm. I still like, and, and even in Shanghai, we have an alumni group from the school. Oh, right. And, yeah, I, I, I was literally at somebody's house last night and she was five years younger than me. And so I never met her when I was in school. But because we all came from that school, mm -hmm. we really have that, like, just sense of responsibility that we take care of each other. Mm. We look, look out for each other. And, and we have that in every single city. So we have mm. that in Shanghai, we have that in Beijing, we have that in LA, we have that in New York, we have that wow. in London. Yeah, so there's an alumni for our girls. It's, like a bond. it's, a, it's a very strong bond. Yeah. It's a very strong bond because our school is very, very strict. So yeah. all, we always say, like, I haven't met one single girl from Wesley that doesn't like to drink. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I really feel like, because it was such a strict school, mm. so we all have to rebound at some point in our life. And so we always, yeah, all of Wesley girls, we can drink. We, we love to drink because we couldn't, we couldn't have chocolate, we couldn't have any snack when we were in school. So the moment we have our, the, the chance to get our hands on it, we are going the other yes. way. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and and then is that when you went to New Zealand for the? Yes, I went to New Zealand. When I was fourteen years old. Right. Yes. Oh, this was during. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I was in Wesley between twelve to fourteen, and and fourteen to eighteen, I was in New Zealand. Hmm. Yes. And you said like about the the dining table and having dinner at separate times. So what was it like then going to New Zealand? I wanted to get out ever since I was 10 and ever since right. I saw the world I was telling my mom like you know you know I don't think staying in Taiwan was was my path yeah so I was asking her to look for any opportunities that I can be you know send out so she did listen and she did see I was struggling in school so um, one of her friends was planning on sending their kid to New Zealand to a boarding school mm. and she's like okay can my daughter go as well and I said wow. yeah sure she can just do the go through the same agency and send her over so I I I didn't know anything about New Zealand yeah okay when I was 14 I remember I had we had this um how to say like this like a Wikipedia book version of it and and it's basically a, a book talk about different continents and you can find you can you can look through it and find pages I think there was two pages oh, about New Zealand, Zealand. Yeah. that's it and I was like, where am I going? <laughs> so my first year in New Zealand, I was in this town called Denneberg. Denneberg only had 6,000 right. people of a population. Okay, oh. so there are more sheep than people. <laughs> and, 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 and I was living in Taipei, literally a, a metropolitan city. Yes. Right? So, so you like went from there to here. Wow, great! Like a village it was, to compare to. It so it was it was crazy. But the mm. thing is, I loved it. I yes. absolutely loved it. It it was. I I still tell people that I believe New Zealand is the best place to grow anything. Mm. If you want to raise um, a dog, a cat, or any animal, you want to raise a kid. It's the literally the best place to be. Mm. It's 
the 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 nature of it, the the food yes. and the culture of it, and 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 people, just people love to read. It's it's insane. Like, um, you can meet a farmer in New Zealand, and and you go to his house to have a coffee, and then next to the coffee table is a pile of books that he's mm. reading, and he's borrowing from the library and so on. It's just like. Wow. And that always fascinated me. I was like, wow, so people really enjoy reading, even, mm. though, it, even though they are farmers, but that never stopped them from learning. learning. Yes. And that, that was incredible. That was incredible. Mm. Yes. That's great. You didn't go to Australia? Yes, I, I went to visit Australia. Oh. Again, through my choir, because I, oh, I got right. into Wellington Youth Choir uh, the second year I, I moved to Wellington and got into an incredible school. And I joined uh, the the Wellington Youth Choir, and we got to go to Sydney to sing and ah. stuff. So, and I also we also went to Melbourne, so we I did go to Sydney and Melbourne. Yes, and I love Melbourne. Yes. I love the amazing, amazing. Yes, I love the culture. I love the the coffee shop. I love the people. Sydney is not so much to me. Sydney is a lot like Auckland, and 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 to me it's it's it's, it's a great city, but if I just want to go and hang out with my friends and have a, a, a more chilling lifestyle, I think I would prefer Melbourne over Sydney. Agreed. Where are you from? Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm, well, I'm from Newcastle, which is just north of Sydney. Okay. So I, I agree with you. I think that Sydney is a great place to visit. Yeah. Uh, Newcastle has all the beaches. It yeah, has everything that Sydney has. Yeah. But like, if you want to go to a concert or... Yeah. A sporting event that doesn't come to Newcastle, you just get on the train yeah, and you drive down castle. to Sydney. Yeah. So, but we have better we have better beaches than New, uh, Sydney yeah. anyway. But if I had a choice to live, it would be probably Melbourne. Yeah, it's a little cold, but but, but it's just uh, I don't know the whole entire city too. I just love I I fall mm. in love with the landscape and I love yes. the culture. I love the markets. <laughs> there, it's just everything about Melbourne. I love. Yeah. Speaking of uh, traveling. Internationally, you then went to New York yes. to do your major. Yes. Yes, so tell I us did. about that. Okay, so why, why did you choose New York? Okay, okay. So when I was uh, 17, uh, 16 years old, 16, 17, I met this girl. Her name's Moki Lin, and mm. she is uh, Korean descent, but her mom married a Kiwi in New Zealand. Mm. So she is definitely Korean by blood, but she's also. Everything about her is very Kiwi. Right. And she is a cello genius. Like, I, I, I don't know if you ever heard uh, Jacqueline Dupre. And I swear, she, the way she plays, sometimes it reminds me of how Jackie sounds. Right. And so she's a freaking genius, right? And we will be, she's younger than me, but we will be in the same music class. And we will be given the same sheets of music to learn. And even though I'm playing the flute part, she's playing the cello part, I have to learn at least three hours. It takes her 30 minutes. Wow. And that very moment, I knew there's a, there's a thing called genius. Mm. And I just literally met one. I, I never met a genius in my life before her. Yes. And when you see a genius, you know. <laughs> and you know there's not enough amount of uh, hard work or practice can can ever be like her. You, you would not. It, it's uh, with especially with classical music. If you don't have it, you don't have it. 
And at that very moment, I was like, okay, if I'm pursuing classical music as a major in my university, I think I would be very miserable mm. because, and you talk to any music major students, they don't really have a life outside of being practice. Yeah, You're so right. it's, you you go Absolutely through right. different practices, and then or you you either you either practice on your own or you practice in the orchestra or you practice in the choir. It's always practice. It's it's just you don't have a life. I I remember my entire high school year in 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 New Zealand. I've never go to a movie with friends after school. I just don't have the time to. Yeah. Mm. So even the weekends, you know, most of I was also play in, in the church so I was like literally right. I at my weekends I would go to see a movie on my own but not with friends because I didn't really have time to make friends outside yeah. of my orchestra outside of my choir so um, I, I just I totally missed missed out the whole inviting friends and then go out and hands and that no that never yeah. happened so just when I was turning 17 I was asking myself do I really want to keep doing that even when in college Yes, and and I was like, no, I don't think so. And I love drama. I have loved uh, drama since I was very very young. I just never took it very serious because to my mother, playing instruments is seen as a higher choice of a career than being an actress or being in the theater world because you can never make money. In the right, world. right. So so I think to her in her mind, that being playing music is always better. But I, at that very moment, I, I knew, I just, I, I didn't, I don't want to do it anymore. And um, also at that year, there's a director came out from New York. His name is Ann Lee. Right. And he's from Taiwan and he went to NYU and he just made his first couple of films and it was amazing. Right. So I was like, okay, you know what? That's what I want to do. I want to study film. I want to become a film major. And that's the moment I started to do the shifting in, in my career choice. So I was like, okay, I'm going. Because if, in, in order to, do, to become a film major, you have the sense of music. You need to have the sense of photography and all that. And I feel like I do have yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah. so I can, I can tell a story. I can write a story. And that just seems like a very natural term for me. Yes. So that's why I stopped pursuing music and I decided yes. to apply for a film major. Yeah, yeah, performing arts. Yeah, performing arts. And tell us about moving to New York City. I mean, that's, oh. <laughs> a, that's a huge step yeah. again. You've gone from the, the small, the small yeah. town yeah. in New Zealand yeah. to yeah. one of the biggest cities in the world. Yeah, so I went from Wellington to New York. It was like from literally heaven to hell. <laughs> I did not. I did not expect that because you gotta remember all of my knowledge about New York. I saw it on TV right. or films. Yes. So uh, we all romanticize certain cities, right? Paris is not Paris, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. but we are so kind of implanted with that kind of ideology with certain cities. Paris is the romantic. Yeah, city. And, then, and then New York, you're waiting to be robbed every day, yeah. right? So, but. <laughs> not New York to me, New York to me was always a, a, a city was full of possibilities and everything is possible. So, mm. so that draws me to go to New York and that's why I wanted to go to NYU. But it was a wake up call from day one. Yeah. Like I still remember when I landed at JFK and um, I was waiting for my, for my, for my luggage to come up and this guy came over to me and with a push car and said, Miss, can I help you with your luggage? 
and I was like, oh my god, you're so nice. You know, you know, it's like somebody always somebody there to help yeah. with the luggage because I just moved there, so of course I have like two giant suitcases. I was really happy, yeah. and I was like, yeah, thank you, please. And then he moved the the, the suitcase on, on my trolley, and I pushed over, and then he asked me for money. Yeah, and I was like, what? <laughs> Five dollars. <laughs> I, I didn't, but that to me was insane. Like what? So that was a wake up call. That was my first encounter when I after I landed. Welcome like, to the US. Okay, I guess I'm not in Kansas anymore. Yes, <laughs> like, right. I that's what like Dorothy would say, and I'm like, no, it's it's just it's not what you expected. Nice. I, I literally when 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 the plane landed, I had a. It's not just a New York, New York playing in the in the back of my head, and then and then I landed. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's not not just New York. Yeah, so yeah, um, but that my my Sinatra, Frank Sinatra, all these famous people are there. Yeah, it's a it's a, but of course after uh, a while you realize, okay, so that's the real New York. Yeah. So that's New York is that ruthless and and not apologetic at all. And did and, and did you did you grow into that sort of person yeah i hated myself after four years <laughs> but i've become so cynical like after especially i was there doing 9 11. Oh. I, I, that happened my senior year <laughs> i was walking towards the school and that tell was us about after. tell us about that so that was a very beautiful uh, september morning i still remember it was mm. just beautiful that there was no cloud in the sky and i, I in the morning i was just uh, walking to school because I, I live on First Avenue and I'm, right. you know, so I was very close. I'm between Second and Seventh Street, so it's walking distance to 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 NYU to, to the campus. I was walking towards school and I saw a wave of people walking up uh, from downtown to uptown, like walking from the south to, to north. I was like, why is there so many people walking up north? I I, I didn't understand why. I, I think I was just about nine o'clock and mm -hmm. I, I saw people but I didn't know what's happening. Right. So I was walking to the, the and that was before, you know, the, the smartphone or anything, so you couldn't get any information. Right. I, I walked to the campus and the guard was merely telling us that like there's no there'll be no class today, everybody go home. And I was like, Okay, why? Mm. And then but nobody was giving us right. any information because nobody knew and <laughs> nobody yes. knew. So I was like, okay, no school, yay! You know, like, like any any college student would think that, like, yay, party! <laughs> so, I was walking back to the apartment, and I saw uh, the people were gathered around cars, and the cars would turn on their radio, like, and to hear what's happening. So, even I was so clueless, I knew something must going on, and I look up. The sky I was walking on because the campus is on Broadway. I looked down and I saw this black smoke downtown from downtown, but I still didn't know what was happening. Yeah. So to me, it was like, okay, that's a really bad fire because yeah. that's that's what it looks like it's just smokes. Mm. So I was like, okay, you know, uh, some definitely some fires going on. So I, I went home and uh, I turned on my TV, and that's when I was like, okay, this is uh, crazy because it. You're not used to being a country or a place where this can happen, right? And and that's still that at that time I still remember people when the first plan went in, people think it was an accident, mm. but it was the, when the second plan hit, people immediately knew. Yeah, okay, something's, going something's going on. Something's going on. It's yeah. very serious. And I was like, okay, this is the moment of history, and I'm not going to miss it out. 
So I grabbed my camera and I was like, I'm going to go downtown, go take some pictures of it because I want to be, you know, like being an art student, you yeah. know, like, you know, you're like, I need to go there and just see this and, and, and all that. And then that's when my boy, uh, back then was my boyfriend, that was my husband, came home because he was already working in, in a law firm. He was a paralegal law, law, law firm right. in the Midtown. And then he, he saw what I was going out and he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I got, I, I got to take pictures of this. Yes. You know, this is, I, I cannot miss this. And he's like, are you insane? We can declare martial law any second. I was like, what's martial law? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was like, what's happening? And he's like, you are not holding an American passport. That means you can be you know, put away. Or, yes. And I was like, because like, as I said, I was like 10 o'clock in the morning. Still, not much information has come out, right? Mm-hmm. It was, we just hear, maybe there's another plan hit. Pentagon and less stuff, but we still didn't know what's happening. But he has that sense of saying, okay, if you're going anywhere, you to bring your passport and I'm coming with you. Because uh, he feels like at least he, he being American, he can be more protective of me. So we were trying to go downtown where everybody was trying to go uptown. Right. Until when we hit, I think it was around somewhere, Prince Street and Soho, and somebody just yelled a bomb. Like, bong, bong, that, that, like I said, nobody knew what's happening. Yeah. But when somebody just screamed, bong, yeah, you ran. Yeah, you ran. <laughs> <laughs> you, you ran. So, yeah. so we would just start running for our lives. And again, I still don't know what really happened. And I think that was the exact moment when Power One came down. Um. Yeah. So, so we, so we were running for our life, but yeah. we didn't know what I was running for. And 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 uh, yeah, and, and uh, we were very good staying our apartment. <laughs> so we not didn't go anywhere. Yeah, so that was the experience. Modern experience. And you yeah. said that was your graduation year. So I was still very mad. I our school did not refund me that first month of tuition. <laughs> right. We just didn't have school for that entire month. Yeah, yeah like people. The, everybody say that's keep our life normal, mm. but it was very difficult. But uh, uh, for You're the, f- the, the first two weeks, people just don't know what was happening. And um, but it, it was amazing how like the Broadway opened so fast right mm. after that. I think it was a sense of nobody can beat the Americans. So we yes. need to go back to our life. As well. So when the when Broadway closed down for COVID for almost an entire year, mm. it was a huge thing because that never happened. Yeah, that didn't right. happen during 9-11. 9-11, yeah. I think only shut down for two weeks. Broadway only shut down for two weeks and it went on wow. right away. And for, for COVID, that's, that's what really hit them. I can yeah. remember yeah, watching it at that time and the baseball and the, the Lord, the mayor of, at the time and everybody getting back into normal. But yeah, what a, what a time in Yeah, in so you've got to remember, I was there when Giuliani was the mayor, mm. right? And so, who knew Julian would turn out to be such a psycho years later? But, but back in the days, he was the hero. Yeah. You know, he everybody looked up to him, and not, I mean, not not to Bush so much, especially New Yorkers, right? He just didn't. And but 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 we looked up to Giuliani to come to to the TV and report to tell us what's happening every day. We deliver the news. So when he went completely cuckoo to the other side, I was just like, what happened to you? And that's what that's what our world is so crazy at the moment because now Bush looks like... Normal. He was a president. Yeah, he comes on and he's <laughs> yeah. like, 
Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm looking all right now. Look at yes. me. Yes. Look at me. Yeah. Uh, Bonjour, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Christian part. You're right. So you finished there in New York. Did you stay there for a little longer or did you no, want to get because, out of there straight because, away? Because, because of 9 11, my mom was pretty much saying, oh, that, like, right. get out there as, as soon as you get your diploma. So yes. I think I got my plane tickets. Um, after the graduation, like two weeks after graduation, right. I told my husband that like, you know, I, I don't want to stay here. Um, I don't think it's a good time for me to stay, but I don't really want to go home either. So we decided to go back to New Zealand right. for, uh, for, for a year and a half. That's I, really cool. That was very important to me. That yeah. was very important to me to, to go back from that extreme. You know, I needed to go to somewhere where it can ground me. It was very important. Like I said, I've become so cynical after four years in New York. I, I, I didn't like the way I sound. I was hating everything. Yes. I was looking at everything was something wrong. Something's wrong with the world. And and I need to, to go back to a place where people talk slower. <laughs> people a lot calmer. Yes. People don't swear that much. Back I just to, needed yes. to be back there. Yes. Mm -hmm. So that was very important. And I think the New Zealand and, and the Australian, we have a very laid back attitude yes. and, and very, okay, look at it at both sides and say, yeah. okay. And I, I forgot how normal people <laughs> live their life and yes. what matters because after a couple of years in New York, and, and that's something I need to watch out in, in Shanghai as well, you become too greedy. But you can you can understand where they're coming from with some people there because it's such a cutthroat. You need to be that. You need it to be you like to that be in strong. order to survive, yeah, really. But but in another sense, I didn't really like who I become, Come, and then yeah. that, that that was a huge problem for me. Greed yeah. and power. Yeah, and, and then you start, you know, like you ask people how much money you make before you even get to know that person, that's and it. that's and I didn't really like that. I was yeah. asking. I was caring more about the money yeah. than the actual project and I was like, come on, I was like 22 and I cannot live my life like that. Yeah. You know? Hi, I'm Tony Fair, founder of Victorian Grooming Company. Is your beard feeling dry or the skin underneath itchy? Maybe you'd rather soften and tame your beard instead. Our classic collection of beard oils, balms and soaps will leave your beard looking, feeling and smelling amazing. And if you prefer shaving, our pre-shave oils and shave soaps will give you a smooth and razor burn free shave. Handmade in Edmonton with natural ingredients, visit victoriangrooming.com.